is this is crime culture. Yes, it is. And that's Caitlin. And that's Haley. And we're finally gonna finish Black Mirror today. I promise. <laughs> and we're exhausted. Yes. <laughs> um, before we get into it, if you didn't listen to last week's bummer of an episode, um, the big announcement is that we're doing two episodes a month for that's the not whole the month of October. No, that's, that's not, the, not bummer. the bummer. The bummer was that, that was that the it was upper about half of the bummer. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Not, the, talking about 9-11 is just as exciting as talking about Sylvia Likens' murder. So, <laughs> yeah, it's no, a huge I, bummer. I think 9-11 might have been worse because that night, I don't think I got to tell you this, like the night that we released it, I listened to part of it. I was like, all right, I got to turn this off, blah, blah, blah. I ended up going into Michael's office and just hugging him for a very long time. And he was like, you good? And I was like, no. Yeah, it's (laughs) like everyone knows like the gist of what happened. But, but when you the start the day like, itself, uh, yeah, everyone knows that. It's but even like, worse when you get into like the timeline and the details. It's or just everyone, so, I know it's just so everyone upsetting. Everyone was sharing that um, the the video, like the voice recording of that dude that called his wife. Oh, shut! Did you up. see that? I know. Oh, I, I know. It was everywhere. It was either written in text on Instagram or it, it was, was being like played it, it was, on everything. And I was like, oh, the, no, um, it's on one of the walls in the the museum. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and oh, no. Oh, no. man. Uh, no, it's too upsetting. That for one me. was too much. That one yeah. was way too much. I was yeah. like, that's that's the that is quite literally the exact moment where I put my things down and I went into the office. I was like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, enough faff. Let's get into. Yeah, we we've been sad enough. Yes. Let's, well, let's do something a little lighthearted and pick up where we left off with uh, Black Mirror. I think this is series three. Episode... Yes, we're on series three. Let's see what number episode it is. Oh, we forgot. We're gonna have to start them all over again from scratch, starting with series one. <laughs> Nosedive is one. Playtest <laughs> is two. Shut up and dance is three. San Junipero is four. So we're on uh, series three, episode five, which is Men Against Fire. And Men okay. Against Fire that sounds a- right. Yes, um, that about, sounds right. I'm um, saying. Soldiers are exterminating. I'm Sorry. Soldiers are exterminating mutated humans called roaches in a foreign country um, using a neural implant called mass, which enhances their senses and provides instant data via augmented reality. When or soldiers does it. Yeah, right. When soldiers strike encounters several aggressive roaches, one of them uses a mysterious device that disrupts his mass interference. The next day, Stripe starts seeing roaches as humans and tries to save a frightened woman from his fellow female soldier hunter. The woman tells him that Mass disguises the fact that the roaches are regular humans hated by everyday civilians due to propaganda and prejudice. Hunter knocks Stripe unconscious and brings him back to the military base where he is incarcerated. An officer named Arquette reveals to him the true purpose of Mass implants is to dehumanize the enemy, allowing soldiers to kill more efficiently as part of a eugenics program. Marquette threatens to imprison Stripe, endlessly looping raw footage of him killing ordinary humans during during his service, unless he consents to having Mass uh, reset. 
Sometime later, Stripe returns home to see a beautiful woman waiting for him. However, this is revealed to be a figment created by the mass implant, as in reality, he is standing alone outside a dilapidated shack. So there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Yes. Uh, Real topical. Yes. Um, So the guy that's the the main guy that plays Stripe is... I want to say his name is Malachi. I tried to look it up before we started, and I couldn't get the... Was that the guy where you were like, I'm trying to look up how to pronounce this guy's name? Yes. It, yes. it <laughs> looks like it's Malachi Kirby, and he was in EastEnders and Doctor Who. Um, okay. Madeline... Two very um, British shows. It's, I think it's Madeline, not Madeline. It's Madeline, Madeline Brewer, who's in Orange yes. is the New Black and Handmaid's Tale. Yes, R-I-P. Oh, no, she died? Oh, she died. My bad. No, like in, she in one of the shows. Done it in. I haven't seen Handmaid's Tale yet. It's on my list as soon as I can convince Michael to get Hulu. But in Orange Is the New Black, it was just somebody has a theory that all of the fucked up deaths in Orange Is the New Black, uh-huh. the actors go on to be in Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. And and so far it's proving to be correct and I'm I'm not loving it. Um <laughs> if this is true, but no, she was I she was one of my favorite characters on the first season of Orange is the New Black and she had this great redemption arc and then they killed her off. Oh. Well, I think and, she plays um uh, I think she plays the the other soldier hunter. Pretty she sure. Does. Yes. No, you're right. Yeah. And this one's pretty exciting. Well, um Another guy that's in this episode is Michael Kelly. He was in Dawn of the Dead, House of Cards, and The Changeling, which is uh, related back to our episode on uh, the Wineville Chicken Coop murders. Yeah, I was wondering if you were thinking about the fairies. Yeah. All right, so... You remembered. To unpack about this episode, um, it has clear allusions to mass genocide, obviously, brainwashing, and an ideal robot-type military. And um, calling their targets roaches is disturbing because some minority groups during the Rwandan genocide were referred to as cockroaches. And I'm sure in other (laughs) huge uh, race wars and stuff, um, people have been called that and worse. Um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and clearly the term is used to describe an infestation or a problem. So, uh, yeah. I think in the episode, um, they don't really tell you... I I mean, I haven't watched it in a little while, but they don't really tell you why some people are being, um, like, portrayed as these roaches. I don't... They weren't of a certain race, it didn't seem like, or maybe a certain social class. I, I don't know why they were trying to make this, like, perfect society. I think they were trying to, in terms of not assigning the roaches a particular class or ethnicity, I think they were trying to leave it up to the imagination in that it could happen to any class and any ethnicity. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Unless you're a straight white man in the 1%. Yeah, um, and this e- this is also another episode where gamification is a feature. Uh, much like Fifteen Million Merits, the characters in this world are rewarded by the system when they do something that they are uh, quote unquote pre-programmed to do. And the soldiers are rewarded with increasingly sexual and pleasurable dreams as yes. uh, they kill more roaches. So it right. gives them uh, more incentive. It's like, oh, I'm going to get something 
from this if I kill these people or things as they don't even see them correctly. And um, mm-hmm. even the camera angles in this episode with uh, they focus on the first person vision, like holding the gun up is a clear allusion to a video game. Right. Yeah. And uh, while writing this episode, Charlie Brooker was inspired by a documentary about the Iraq war, which featured a civilian speaking for several minutes uninterrupted. And Dave Grossom's book, uh, which is entitled On Killing, which is about the psychology of killing and based on Brigadier General SLA Marshall's work. Um, The title of the episode comes from Marshall's book, Men Against Fire, The Problem of Battle Command, which was written in 1947, wherein Marshall claims that during World War II, over 70% of soldiers did not fire their rifles, even under immediate threat, and most of those who fired aimed above the enemy's head, uh, which is bold claim, and... um, that's insane and heartbreaking to even think of yeah that these people had to go to war and didn't even have the heart emotional wherewithal to shoot somebody which shouldn't be any we we shouldn't entrust that to anyone no no it's just a heartbreaking thing to think you have to do exactly yeah it's just it's it's a heavy responsibility to put yeah, upon anybody. It, yeah, it shouldn't really be on anyone. And when you're being drafted at 18 years old and you don't even want to go to war and you're expected Precisely. to... yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's well, pretty I mean, fucked it, up, but it is what it yeah. is. Yeah. So that's uh, Men Against Fire. I'm doing shorter analysis of each episode just to try She's to get She's learned her lesson, shit. folks. I know. Uh, if you want more in-depth stuff, you can. there's literally articles upon articles and video analysis upon video oh. analysis of each episode. Like I said, Harry's Moving Castle, giving him a shout-out again, but uh, he does a really good analysis of this episode. I um, have an alternative suggestion. What is that? Just watch the fucking series. Yeah, you can watch the series, but if you, <laughs> if you want to, like... If you want to, like, research it afterward and find, like, all the uh, the allusions and stuff to um, right. different situations, then there's plenty of research out there. Um, the next episode is Hated in the Nation. And yes. uh, to counteract a drop in the UK's bee population, Granular has developed a robotic bee called ADIs. And Detective Karen Park and Blue Colson together with the help of NCA agent Sean Lee, discovered that hacked ADIs have caused the death of two people by getting inside their heads and causing unbearable pain. Um, Colson finds that two, the two victims um, were targeted with a hashtag death two on social media as part of um, the quote-unquote game of consequences, where the person that leads the hashtag uh, tables is killed every day. After a third person is killed, the hashtag starts rapidly growing in use. The analysis of the compromised ADIs proves that the hacker um, uh, is a former granular employee named Garrett Scholes, I think is how you pronounce it. Police raid his location, yielding a disk drive that contains a list of every person who has used the hashtag. Park concludes that these people are Skull's real targets. Agent Lee deactivates the system to bounce the hacker out, but when it comes back online, swarms of ADIs target a total of 387,036 people, resulting in a tremendous massacre. 
Sometime later, Park is summoned to a hearing where she talks about the involvement in the case. Coulson, who is presumed to have committed suicide, finds Skulls abroad and uh, texts Park, we got him. This episode uh, made Elliot super queasy because he doesn't like bugs. Yeah. And I think if you added like a half hour to this, it could be like a full length movie. It was pretty oh, insane. I could, yeah, I could think so. That yeah. sounds... I don't yeah. know that I would want to watch the full-length movie. <laughs> no. But it could even... It, it, I, I think it could even be like one of those like Jack Reacher... Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Jack Ryan or Jack whoever the fuck like episodic TV shows or movies. Yeah. Where it's just... It's, it's a very... It's a unique concept. And... Yeah. All right, I'll let you because you're probably going to go in on this because it's starting to like art is starting to reflect life a little bit with this one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to start, some people that are in this episode are Kelly McDonald, who was in the Deathly Hollows part two of Harry Potter, uh, Nanny McPhee, No Country for Old Men, and one of my favorite Disney movies, Brave. She was the voice of Merida, which made me very she happy. Was? Yeah. I didn't. Oh my god! Right? Isn't that crazy? That She's gonna heavy. be That's, shooting for her own hand. It's a, it's a, uh, very forgotten Disney movie, which I love. I mean, honestly, I would prefer to regret reg- blah blah blah. I can't speak. I would prefer to forget it. But why? I love it. I'm, so good. I'm not huge on Brave. I don't know why. Maybe it's the know. Bears. I don't know. I don't know. I loved it. Um, I, I'm a Tangled. Tangled came out around the same time, and that was my shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> another person in it is Faye Marseille, who is in Need for Speed, and take a shot, Game of Thrones. Another Game of Thrones cast member. We should do, like... Right? There's so many Game of Thrones people. It seems like no, but- the six degrees of separation to Game of Thrones in any, like, TV show or movie is insane. So many people have been on that show. We need to do like a George Clooney like crime culture brand of tequila, like how he has his brand of tequila. Yes. And we need we need to put that out and have it be branded so that people have to take a shot every time we say that a person was in Game of Thrones. Perfect. Another person that was <laughs> in it is, along with us. This person wasn't in Game of Thrones, Benedict Wong. He was in The Martian and Doctor Strange. Okay. Who is he in Doctor Strange? I am not sure. <laughs> oh, I just watched that the other night. It, it's very good. I would recommend. All right. Um, so according to Brooker, the episode was inspired by a uh, Scandi Noir thrillers like the TV series The Killing and uh, Borgen. The episode is also partly inspired by John Ronson's book So You've Been Publicly Shamed, which came out in 2015, about online shaming and its historic historical predecessors and by a public backlash after Brooker wrote uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, John Hinckley Jr., Where Are You Now That We Need You in a satirical 2004 article about George W. Bush in The Guardian. Uh, the original article has been removed. But um, remember when Bush was our our worst <laughs> our worst Beer. president? I'll leave it at that. Um, I, uh, uh, those days, man. Uh. Um, when we didn't asked even whether, know the good days when we were living in them. Yeah, right. 
When asked whether policing Twitter is the answer to the issues in the episode, Brooker answers, I don't know the answer, and comments that, quote, I think that social media is an amazing invention, and really, I suspect what needs to happen is that we, as a species, need to get better at dealing with it, end quote. He also says, quote, people should be more accountable for what they say. It's just difficult to see how to do that with uh, without the law getting involved. I think that we've evolved an extra limb. Social media uh, is just like we haven't worked out how to walk with three legs yet. We just need we just keep banging up in, against walls, end quote. He's got some great quotes, this guy. He He's just I don't even know. He's like. A modern day Shakespeare with just the <laughs> stuff that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> oh, I just love when he was like, fuck you to the people who didn't want Black Mirror to be set in America. Yeah. And, and then, then he was like, happy. you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it. <laughs> fuck you. Um, so at the time, I wasn't gonna. It, yeah. At the time, Hated in the Nation was the longest episode of Black Mirror, 89 minutes long. And in an interview in October of 2016, Brooker revealed that there were characters in this episode who could reoccur in the series in the future. So maybe he is going to make a sequel to this one. Who knows? And I that think, would be a cool sequel to have. Yeah. I think this is still the longest episode, 89 minutes. The next episode I'm going to talk about, this um, series four premiere... Um, is USS Callister. That was also a very long episode. That was a, that was another one where it was like basically a movie. Yeah. Um, but first, in as this uh, as this episode relates to the real world, the research group of Iarjo. Uh, that's definitely not how you spell it. E I J I R O. Ijiro. Don't Maybe? look at me. Don't look <laughs> no, at me. I'm bad at pronouncing shit. I, I'm um, just gonna let you crash and burn because I have no idea how to do it either. I'm gonna confidently say it's Ijiro Mayako uh, at the National Institute I'm of Advanced. I'm gonna confidently stand beside you and just good. Um, at the National Institute of Advanced Industrial Science and Technology in Japan, they're currently working on materially engineered artificial pollinators. Um, using micro drones and they published their findings in the academic journal chem by cell press so artificial bees are a real thing that bees? might happen bees yeah bees <laughs> bees that's my favorite card in cards against humanity <laughs> bees question mark bees it works for everything uh yeah so this nightmare could be a real thing because no one knows how to shut their mouth on Twitter and also That's, robot bees. That is very true now that you say that. I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, I quit the shit out of tr Twitter because I was like, nope, <laughs> this is the wild west of social media. Yeah, no. It's... 144 characters is a bit too much. Oh, is no. it, isn't it more now? No, it's more now. It's like over 200. Yeah, it's way too much. People don't it's have... a lot. <laughs> people, some people shouldn't have that much of an, an opinion but whatever some, some people not gonna name names but some orange people should not have that much power no no um jumping into series four uss callister i really like this episode and uh we'll talk about why in a sec 
So Robert Daly, a reclusive but gifted programmer and co-founder of a popular massive multiplayer online game, is bitter at the lack of recognition he has received for his work. In private retaliation, he has created a mock Star Trek-like simulation on a private server using DNA from his real-life co-workers to create sentient digital clones of them, serving under himself as their abusive captain of the starship USS Callister. When the digital clone of a new hire, Nanette Cole, is brought to his game, um, Cole's clone encourages the other copies to revolt against Daly after obtaining a an in-simulation device that lets them communicate outside the private server. Cole's clone blackmails the real Cole to distract Daly just long enough for the digital clones to take over the Callister and escape off the private server. While Daly, trapped within the simulation at the onset of the game patch, ends up motionless in the real world and presumably dies. So, some people that are in this, this is chock full of people. This has so many people. I know. Oh my god. To start, obviously, Jesse Plemons, who is in Friday Night Lights, Fargo, and my fave, Breaking Bad. He played he a real fucked in, up person in Breaking Bad. It was great. I, I Breaking Bad is on my list. He was also in, I can't think of the name of it now. He was in a very short-lived comedy on, I want to say, like NBC, ABC, something like that. And I think I know like what you're a, talking about, yeah. He was like a handyman type of thing. I'm trying to see if I can find it fast. Because it also had that like token hot guy that's been in everything. Right now he's in um the remake of that Hugh Grant movie. I'm just I'm just throwing out like all kinds of very obvious clues here. Like I'm surprised nobody's gotten this yet. I don't know. Because I'm making very obvious allusions to whatever it is. Where are you? Come on, Jesse. Alright, but uh another person well, that's either way. In- what? Yes. I said well either way. He's in it. Yes. Uh, another person it. that is in it who plays the girl Nanette is Kristen Meloti. I think that's how you yeah, pronounce yeah. her last name. She Bloody. was in The Wolf of Wall Street. She was also in Fargo with Jesse Plemons. Uh, she was in Once, the stage musical, and she was the mother on How I Met Your Mother. I was going to say, why didn't you lead with that? No, you got to <laughs> bury that. You got to bury it. It's got to be the, the last one. Uh, um, another person is Jimmy Simpson, who is in Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Psych, House of Cards, Westworld, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, just a million things. And we also got Billy Magnuson, who was in Game Magnuson. Night. What? Magnuson. Magnuson. Love you, mean it. He was in Game Night and Into the Woods. I, game Night. Isn't that... I think Jesse Plemons was in that, too. Was he, was he in that, too? I think he, I think he was. Wasn't that the one with... um? What should we call it? Jason Bateman and the the dog gets bloody and he's got to clean off the dog and he gets bloodier. It's like it was like that one clip that went viral. I don't know. I think maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I think Jesse Plemons was in that too. But my favorite credit and this one is is a little like a deep cut. Aaron Paul is the voice at the very end. And Aaron Paul's in Breaking Bad. I didn't know that. Yeah. The voice of the the, like the gamer at the very end is Aaron Paul. Oh. And he he did a very Jesse Pinkman voice, so it made me very happy. Well, but I haven't seen Breaking Bad, so I wouldn't have been able to know. That's probably That's true. why. Yeah. Um, so this is a little bit longer of an analysis on this episode because there's so much to unpack here. Um, but the episode looks at the debate in geek and gamer culture that has been going on in the last few in the last few years about where the line between fandom and fetishization 
uh, gets drawn when it comes to things like female superheroes, female gamers, and cosplayers, which I'm not even in that that world and that fandom. Right. But um, you don't even have to be to see (laughs) that there's a a thin, thin line. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And this episode is also uh, pays quite quite very close homage to star trek obviously using yeah, a very similar set design and yes, the costumes too yeah exactly uh the episode has also been compared to another parody of the show which was one of my sister's favorite movies the 1990 1999 film galaxy quest my sister loves that oh, movie oh <laughs> it's it's a funny movie yeah it's like good. you get tim allen sigourney weaver and alan rickman yes like it's the unholy trinity it's It's a good time uh one reviewer described uss callister as a as critical of sexism in star trek and its fandom with another calling it a quote cruel parody and even a misandrist attack so there's a there's people on both sides and though brooker says that quote i don't want to be seen like we're attacking fans of classic sci-fi end quote it has a similar storyline to the short story, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, um, which features characters held hostage and tortured by a supercomputer. And huh. it has been called similar. the... Yeah. It has been called the, quote, uh, most cinematic episode to date for the show due to its vivid colors and huge fictional landscape. This is another yeah. one. You add a couple minutes to it and it's a movie. It, it is. But, and it's also, it's so, so gorgeous. Like, it the is. Lands- I'm glad they touched on the I, landscaping. Yeah, I loved like, the... Um, uh, I loved the, the difference between like his real world, very dark, very yeah, gray, the, very yes. muted, very monotone, and then the uh, the world he created. It's it's insane. It's so good. I could go. I could go on for days. Like yeah. the cinematography in that, the set design, just all of it. Yeah, and the down costume, to the just everything. The smallest details were just yeah utterly fantastic. Yeah, I love this episode. It's one of my favorites. And uh, though the episode is dark at times, because obviously it's Black Mirror and it has to be, and it raises some serious issues, it also has a much perkier tone to previous Black Mirror episodes and contains a bunch of really great one-line jokes and visual gags and has a relatively happy ending compared to lots of other episodes. I mean, ain't so happy for Jesse Plemons, but yeah. No, no. But I mean, for the people you're, because you're not even rooting for him, really. In the beginning, right. you kind of are because you don't know what the situation is. You just see him. And he's getting shit on left yeah. and right. Like, yeah. the poor guy. He's, like, the co-founder of this place, and he gets, like, shit on. And exactly. you kind of, like, like before you see everything happen, you kind of, like, want him to get together with the new girl and, like, oh, yay, maybe somebody and at work likes no, him. Yeah, and then, no, he's he a fedora-wearing like Maladian creep. Yeah. Um... So its plot twist is revealed very slowly, like we said, and it's a contrast to the gut punch reveal of a, a bunch of previous episodes. I really right. liked that it took, it was like a slow burn. It took a while for you really to, to realize. And I love the... It was a slow burn, but just as painful. Yes. Because it was just like, oof. Yeah, but I really, I really like twists like that where you're you're oh yeah you think you think one person's the main character and you're rooting for them and then all of a sudden it turns and they're the bad person i love that that's so great and um, no robert daly has an unhappy life where he doesn't receive credit for his 
for co-founding his entire company and is mocked by his colleagues. And traditionally, Daly would be the underdog character and the story may focus on him getting revenge on Walton for stealing his credit and his colleagues' uh, mistreatment of him. And the Hollywood trope of a socially awkward man meeting a younger woman who appreciates his intelligence is utilized when Daly meets Cole, like we said. And as a result, the viewers initially side with Daly, but instead of the pair falling in love, we learn Daly's true nature. And as the captain of the USS Callister, he abuses his position of power, forcing his crewmates to act the opposite of themselves in real life, such as Walton going from Daly's superior to an underling. And similar to um, an internet bully, Daly does not seem to care about the pain he is inflicting on the virtual clones and treating them like action figures. Exactly. That's exactly yeah i could so that, that's pretty I, much everything we were just saying comparison that, like, yeah and yeah it, it it is it does raise uh questions even about cyberbullying. like if you're if you're uh making fun of somebody using their twitter handle or their instagram handle and you're not actually like using their name like that's still bullying oh but absolutely. You, you see the handle and you're like this isn't a person it's their digital self. So it doesn't matter if you talk shit about them, which it does because real people see it. So be nice to us in our comments. Yeah. <laughs> no, they shouldn't. <laughs> Lots of John Mulaney. So Small John, John Mulaney, Mulaney references. We're going to get sued by John Mulaney. No, I love him. John Mulaney sponsor us. Yeah. Petunia, <laughs> please sponsor us. Um, after you sue us because we all know she's his lawyer yes um very serious very serious girl just to round this out according to critics daily fits the archetype of white males who participate in prejudiced online echo chambers due to the ostracization in real life and a sense of entitlement or of a nerd who becomes a bully after being the victim of bullying dana schwartz links this to the quote modern toxic masculinity movement of Gamergate and the alt-right. Charles Bransko yes. of Vulture notes that despite the fact that Robert never actually rapes any of the female members of the crew, he exhibits psychological traits associated with rape culture, which Abs uh, you can uh. see like in the episode, like <laughs> they do make a point to say that none of the clones have genitals, which is a hilarious moment. So it, obviously, it really like, great. yeah, obviously nothing's going to happen to these people, but um yeah like he he does have like just a rapey vibe it's more than just a rapey vibe like i can see what they're saying there and that he just he undermines particularly the women but yeah. i mean also the yeah. men to a degree he just undermines them both physically and psychologically yeah because he's such a shit and yeah no he is he's a little shit yeah and he just he emotionally manipulates them. He physically manipulates them. And it just, like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's different. It's, it's different real in the real world. Yeah, it's different in the real world where he's getting rejected left and right than he gets rejected in a game or someone yeah, but also, stands up to him in the game and he turns them into a fucking eight-foot spider. Yeah, but he's also, like, such a fucking wimp because... Yeah. He gets shit on in his daily life and he doesn't do anything to defend himself or anything to like stand up for himself because he knows yeah. when he goes home, oh, I have these people in this game that I could fuck with who... I can just like, murder their children in the game. Yeah, exactly. 
so it's it because that's healthy yeah yeah uh if you have a problem with somebody just fucking say it just Don't murder take their it children in the game make a sim out of them yeah and their entire family and just off their grandma yeah so that's a healthy way to deal with things <laughs> tristam fane saunders of the telegraph calls the episode quote a sharp attack on an entire genre of male-driven narrative end quote and equates daily's sexist fantasy involving his attractive young younger co-worker with a harvey weinstein sexual abuse allegation moment which yeah uh yep sarah Manu- oh, I, I can't even say her name you can do Mon- it. of USA Today makes the same comparison, linking how Daly kisses female crew members and threatens the crew when they disobey him um, to Weinstein's alleged abuse. And Brooker notes that the episode has coincidentally first premiered in New York on the day that the news broke about the Weinstein ap- allegations. Huh. Yes. Uh, another person calls uh, Walton quote, arguably the true hero of the story for sacrificing himself to fix the ship at the climax of the episode. However, Jimmy Simpson, who plays Walden, uh, Walton, disagrees, noting that his character's thought- thoughtlessness and selfishness were the original provocation for Daly to take revenge. Um, Simpson opines that Walton's motive for sacrificing himself is not redemption, but to, quote, make it right for the people. Walton is absent from the ship once the characters make it into the online Infinity game, but can be interpreted that his code was deleted from Daly's modded game. However, Simpson believes that his character remains alive, continually tortured for the pain of uh, the incinerators. And the procedurally generated game Infinity in the episode is considered to be inspired by No Man's Sky, which is a video game released in August of 2016. Brooker commented in October of 2016 that, quote, there's an idea for the second uh, season on Netflix that sprung up from a procedurally generated universe while playing the game. So he alluded that this episode was probably going to come up while he was playing the game and wasn't this game wasn't no man's sky like a huge letdown i don't know you're barking up the wrong tree talk to one of our boyfriends i know but i remember talking to (laughs) elliot about it and i thought it was like supposed to be this like whole thing and like what was it called no man's sky no man's sky like apostrophe yes i'm asking michael was no man's sky a letdown i thought i mean i only half listened to elliot when he talks about now we wait what? Oh, that's more than I do. That's <laughs> not true. That's not true. I, I'm sometimes if I'm really not getting it, I'll be like, teach me. And then it's just bad. Haley. Uh, so here's a thing that happened actually with your boyfriend and my boyfriend. I was playing video games with them and their friend Joe. And Michael was like, Mike, they were playing. And then Michael was like, hang on, I'm going to have Caitlin play around. And it's like some game where they parachute you from oblivion into a city and you've got to collect all these guns and ammo completely up my alley right yeah it, but but is that isn't there games within PUBG? I thought there's missions oh people that I'm actually play games are cringing so hard right now they hate me it's fine <laughs> I, I, I just like to watch that game but like well, I I can't play video games because I can't get control of the whole like you move the camera with one stick and you move the person with this stick and yeah like, no I that's can't, why I couldn't get that was exactly my issue 
And so I'm walking around. I, I was in play for maybe all of five minutes um, before I got shot. But I kept like, like you said, I couldn't like move the camera and my shit all at the same time. So I'm bumping into people and I'm just going, excuse me. I'm sorry. Excuse me. And they are in hysterics because apparently you're not supposed to do that. I guess not. So I don't understand. I'm the it. girl that said "excuse me" in PUBG, and then I proceeded to get taken out under shitty circumstances. The person was hiding in a building, and I did not see them, and I got no warning, and they just well, kind I of mean, like sniped me. That's that's uh, while how the I game was works. minding my own business. But you know what? I got I got mine, and they got theirs because they were running around searching for weapons, and I went into one house, and I found like six. So, and then I proceeded to use none of them. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Uh, Next episode is... That's my Black Mirror. Yes. The next episode is Archangel, where uh, Marie briefly loses track of her three-year-old daughter, Sarah, and decides to have her implanted with the Archangel system, allowing Marie to use a tablet to track her, monitor her health and emotional state, and censor sites that she doesn't want Sarah to see, such as blood. As Sarah grows up, Marie recognizes that the Archangel is hampering Sarah's growth, but the tracking device cannot be removed. Instead, Marie disables the tablet. As Sarah becomes a rebellious teenager, Marie becomes distrustful of her and reactivates the Archangel, discovering her to be taking drugs with a boyfriend Marie does not approve of. When Sarah sneaks off to spend the night with her boyfriend against Marie's orders, Archangel warns Marie that... uh, Archangel warns Marie, and Marie secretly gives Sarah emergency contraceptive pills, causing her to get sick at school. Sarah returns home and finds Marie has reactivated the Archangel. Sarah beats Marie with the tablet, unaware of how much harm Marie had, um, unaware of how much harm she has done due to the censoring filter, and she runs away. Marie um, calling after her in vain. So this is just yeah. your classic mother-daughter tale. Your classic helicopter parent tale. Yes, we'll get into that. Um, so, the the woman who plays Marie uh, is uh, Rosemarie DeWitt, who is in Poltergeist, famously. Yes, she is. Uh, I think it's the guy that plays the boyfriend is Owen Teague, who was in It. The no new idea. One. Will not watch <laughs> it. Too scary. Five me. And the director of this episode is Jodie Foster love her yep love her so much yeah so getting to your uh your comment here about the helicopter parenting methods of parenting have changed with time obviously and in the modern age the big debate has been known as helicopter parenting which is a term that comes from the observation that modern parents are way too anxious about attending to their children's every need and they want um to um, they want to immediately try to create all kinds of safe spaces and bubbles around them to protect them from the harshness and disappointments of the world. Um, The message here is pretty clear and warning us to try to keep too much control over your child is exactly what will end up driving them out of control. And playing God is not the same as parenting, even when technology blurs the difference. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. That about sums it up. Yeah, I've worked in places where there's a lot of children i've worked like as a lifeguard and i've taught swim lessons and i've taught uh um like a a bunch of things water related so obviously parents are anxious about their children being in the water 
because if your kid doesn't know how to swim, then <laughs> it's dangerous. They're fucked. But I'm here to teach your child to swim. So you need to yes. trust me. <laughs> yes. When I was teaching swim lessons and there would literally be parents like standing at the edge of the pool, I would get so anxious and it's just also, so nervous. Cause, yeah, because it's not just... That's not just dangerous for the kid. Like, that's dangerous for the parent. Like, suppose a parent loses their balance because they're too worried that little Bobby isn't getting the attention he needs or whatever, and they fall the fuck on top of a child. Yeah. Or I also don't agree with this whole um, giving kids of a certain age cell phones just because you're so worried about them. No, absolutely not. Then they, they turn into entitled little pricks. Yeah. And if you're going to give your kid a I'm cell phone... I'm calling my mother... If you're going to give your kid a cell phone, make sure it's one that just calls people. Get them a fucking jitterbug like we all had to deal with. Yeah, I had some bullshit phone for the longest time. I didn't get uh, texting. Like Real I wasn't, phone, I didn't yeah. have the I didn't have the ability to text until like junior year high of school. high school. Yeah. 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 No, I agree with you there. And if I you give if, if you give your kid a phone with a camera at the age of anything up until 16, 17, 18. Like, yeah, uh, they're gonna, they can buy their own phone. But also... I'd say uh, 14. I'd say high school age. I mean, I would still say people are pretty dumb around, like, 16. Oh, they're, they're still dumb regardless. But I'm thinking also in terms of, like, because, for example, Snapchat, it is a big thing. It's it's got some negatives. It's got some positives. But you, it's it's a there's a fine line between par- parenting your child between being involved and not like get going overboard on your kid. And there's a difference between that and allowing your child to at least like be normal you know what i mean like you don't want your kid to stick out like a sore thumb because that will make it more difficult like when she's the in this episode the daughter is talking to a boy when she's in middle school and yeah and doesn't know how to talk to him really yeah he starts talking about stuff that she's got no idea about yeah like there's like of course you want to censor your kids from some stuff and you want to protect your children it's your inherent need as like a parent it's an animalistic yeah, also urge. every single child in every different situation is different so you can't say like oh this is bad for all children to see or do or hear because right. like yeah there's there's a difference between like somebody under this age sh- shouldn't uh be cursing or hear or hear people cursing or anything like that like it's it's not appropriate and it's also right. not appropriate for adults in certain situations. So, so no, like, there's some remember. stuff that's, like, like across the board, not good. But as right. far as, like, when she censors um, the dog barking. Exactly. That's like, a on, little your nuts. Your kid will learn to fight her fucking battles. Yeah. Like, you're going to raise a wimp-ass kid because not you want to make... Not even a wimp-ass make- kid. You can be a wimp-ass kid without, like, having dogs censored and shit. But it's, it's that... She's not learning the necessary skills she will need to be a functioning adult. Yeah, she's, like, developmentally disabled because of... Her mother is giving her issues with developing. Yeah, she yeah she's behind all of her classmates and everything. 
which is i don't know there's there's so much to talk about in this it's it's just it's so detrimental not just for the child but also just because they know it's not a case of like where they're oblivious to it you can't yeah. blur out people how people feel towards you how people treat you and i think and one of the um the main um ways that you can see that play out in real life is um people's attitude toward drinking because like my parents were very just kind of open matter of fact like you can have a sip of beer like this is what it tastes like and i hated it and i still hate it (laughs) and like because like it wasn't police so hard is like you can't drink like this like this is the punishment you're gonna get if you drink like because i didn't have that huge restriction like it didn't force me into the situations like oh this is bad i really want to do it and then you do it in secret and then you get in trouble when you get into a car with somebody who has had something to drink because i wasn't raised like that and it wasn't this huge taboo thing i like found drinking at my own leisure rather than a bunch of classmates who um like had to steal alcohol or something yeah like but by the time like i was interested in like drinking and like that whole life my sister was 21 so i could have asked her to get me alcohol but even by that point like my parents like knew when i was drinking underage and i have never even at 25 almost 26 i've never gotten into a situation that has been dangerous as a result of drinking uh, i've gotten drunk the time we were on the river times. with the sangria was a little dangerous but that was more because we felt we were going to die on that river because it was moving us backwards yeah but i also wasn't drunk <laughs> like no, here's the, here's no, the thing I meant like, it was dangerous in another in a completely other capacity yeah, it's like when you when you withhold something from a child, they want it to do e- even more, like within excess. Not so, even that. When you, it's yes, but they also when you teach a child, like in that way, like don't you dare have alcohol, don't you dare have sex, don't you dare do this, that, or the other thing. All you teach them is how to not be able to come to you and trust you and everything. Exactly. Like if you're constantly. I mean, monitoring their texts and you read their diary without their permission and all that other stuff within reason like if your kid is eight sure you want to make sure everything's going on but if your kid's like in high school trying to become a fully functioning adult (laughs) yeah figure out who they are but also high school is basically the last step before adulthood and if you're still monitoring them like they're eight years old it's gonna it's gonna ruin your relationship. It's not yeah. going to help that child become a functioning adult. It's just there's so many issues. Yeah, and it, it it's just all like a like a foundation. Like if you tell your kid, oh, you can't drink. This is the punishment you're gonna get. You're not telling them the effects of it. You're not saying if you drink, then if you drink to an excess, this could be something really really bad that happens. Yeah, no, like, you're just sensationalizing. Yeah, like without, in my high school. That. In my high school, right before prom, they do this thing where they get a car that was in an accident or impounded in some way, a yep. really, really damaged yep. car, and they put it on the lawn of the school, and yep. I was actually chosen to be one of the people that um, we had to perform this 
scenario sort of oh of, yeah this is what happens if you get in a car with somebody who's drunk or if you've been drinking so it was me my best friend Kay, um and i think i think it was two other people and i i really don't remember who they were but yeah it was two other people and then one of my really good friend's younger brother was the whole scenario is like these drunk people coming home from a party they got into an accident they hit a kid right. so the um my friend's younger brother was the kid that we hit so they actually had ems come and like we played out this whole scenario they had ems come put him in a body bag oh wow um, yeah um k had to be um had to like play paralyzed oh wow um, the two other people had to be like in the car like knocked out what did uh, you play oh, my co- my cousin andrew i think was one of them that they actually had like the fire department come and the jaws of life had to like get him out of the car that's awesome and my my job like, it's was not one of the, but it is yeah my job was one of the hardest because i was the one that actually had to like get up out of the car and like scream and cry and and like carry on Aww. and be yeah and like call 911 and everything so and she got really drunk to prepare for her role no it actually like i was like shit like and the whole like senior class has to come and watch and i was like i don't think i'm gonna be able to make myself cry like i'm not that good of an actress <laughs> uh, you know what you do you put two cold spoons over your eyes for like a few minutes no but i mean i had to be in the car and everything so like yeah i so get out of the, the car in the car i get out of the car and they had to like throw like fake blood on us as like the makeup or whatever yeah and just like seeing my friend's little brother on the ground like that and having the ambulance come and seeing my friend on the ground like that like it immediately made me like tear up it's like this is a thing that right. happens to people and can happen and happens every day and if, it, if i was in the car with these people that i love then uh it would destroy me right it forces you to face your own mortality and the mortality of those yeah. around you and so long story short like coming back around to the point um like it was it was always brought to me like you can drink don't drink to an excess and don't get in the car with anybody that is drunk if you drink you walk home or you yeah or you you just don't drink to the point where you black out like you you can drink and have fun drink act like an adult in all other aspects yeah exactly you can drink and have fun and like you know like we would go out in new haven and whatever and like people would get sloppy drunk and like for the most part i just played like mom and like corralled right. everyone together like made sure we were all together you don't leave somebody behind uh you bring somebody up to their room if they're a little sloppy um you cut somebody off if it gets too bad like because i was raised to police myself rather than yeah rather than quarantine Not being told to tol- anything yeah. yeah exactly so that was a long rambling personal story about this analysis um, wow we've never done a long rambling story on this podcast not no. ever not ever never no. not ever but the next couple ones are short so um this next episode crocodile uh, mia and her boyfriend rob end up in a hit and run with a bicyclist killing him rob has 
both of them dispose the body and stay quiet about the whole matter. Fifteen years later, Mia is married with a son and has a successful career. While on travel, Rob visits Mia and suggests that they tell the truth about the bicyclist. But Mia, fearing that it would ruin her entire career, kills Rob and hides his body. Meanwhile, Sh- Shazia? Shaza? Mm-hmm. is an insurance investor uh, and is following a trail of accounts on an unrelated accident using a device that can visualize memories from eyewitnesses. She sees a memory that um, Mia is an eyewitness to an accident and approaches Mia about her um, about her to help with the investigation. So this is a completely unrelated matter. It has nothing to do with what happened 15 years prior or the guy that she has recently killed. Mia is unable to avoid helping and Shaza sees Rob's murder in her memories and though she promises not to say anything even to her husband Mia kills her and then travels to her home to kill her husband and their infant child preventing anyone from using a similar device to identify her presence police investigating the death yes police investigating the death find the infant was blind and could never have seen the culprit but use the memory device on a pet guinea pig and close in on Mia as she watches her son's school play. Honestly, I watched that episode and once they zeroed in on that guinea pig, I was like, yo! Yeah. This was the Ugh. most Black Mirror of Series 4, I think. I agree. No, I, think, I completely I think agree. Series 4 was kind of tame. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was Americanized. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of Americanized. It was kind of tame, so this was the most, like, Black Mirror of the episodes. And in this episode is Andrea Riseborough, who is in Birdman, and Andrew Gower, who is in Being Human. Yee. And the title Crocodile refers to the limbic system of crocodiles' brains, which support memory through things like smell. And the episode returns to use a central theme of... Uh, the entire Black Mirror series, which is that human relations would be much more savage in if the full span of our private thoughts and memories were made public. Right. Yeah. So um, the device that the insurance adjuster uses, like, taps in to your memories by, like, having you smell certain things that you smelled that night or hear certain noises. So that's why it's called Crocodile. That's pretty much all I have to say, really, about this episode. It didn't yeah. really thrill me that much, but oh. it was all right. I disagree. It was pretty good. Um, the next episode is Hang the DJ, and Frank and Amy are two of several that participate in something called The System, where they are instructed by a personal device called The Coach to meet other people and spend a predetermined amount of time with them. Frank and Amy are matched for a short period, but both find themselves attracted to each other. After several more assignments, the two are rematched by the coach, but Amy insists that they do not look at the time prescribed by the coach. They spend much time together, but Frank is drawn to look at the time given by the coach and finds that initially lasting several years, his actions have caused the time to be reduced considerably. They're both soon rematched, with Amy assigned to a new partner that will be her permanent pair. Amy asks the coach for her to see Frank one last time, during which she encounters, uh, she encourages them to break the system, fleeing the area and climbing over an impossibly high wall. At the top, they discover they are one pair of nearly 1,000 Frank and Amy's that have escaped the system. This is all revealed to be the inner workings of a dating app that is being used in real life for the real Frank and Amy, testing their compatibility by simulating their behavior over 1,000 trials. 
And in this episode is Joe Cole, who was in Skins, Peaky Blinders, and a little, I think, little underappreciated movie called Green Room, which I thought was really good. Yeah, uh, Anton Yelkin is in it, who's one of my faves, as I've said before. Oh, R.I.P. I know. I know. I love him. Um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good movie. And um, so Hang the DJ is actually... Um, one of the rare positive skewing episodes of Black Mirror, and it ultimately conveys the point that true love connections between human beings are something that can't be quantified and measured, let alone arranged through a statistical data analysis amassed over um, a lot of wasted time. And while it's a big middle finger to the digital dating industry, the episode also highlights what's beautiful in the random and often chaotic process of coupling. And the title refers to the notion of a DJ who keeps changing the song when the listeners would rather let it play out um, in full, which I actually just experienced uh, at a recent event that I was at that the DJ would like, like people would be up and dancing to a song and he'd just like cut midway through a different song and then cut that song midway and then cut that song. I was like, play something, damn it. Play one (laughs) thing and commit. (laughs) Like read the room, fam. If people are dancing... Leave it. Leave it. It was musical chairs. You just didn't know it. It was a pain. But anyway, besides that, um, Charlie Brooker said in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, quote, I think it's a very happy moment. And I think Tim did a brilliant job of directing it. And Georgina and Joe did a fantastic job playing the part in the final scene. They know they are destined to have very serious relationship with, and they're each other's chosen ones. And I think they go through a gamut of emotions in that final scene. You see them finding it exciting and taking on the weight of it. And then you see Georgina quite playfully uh, just steps toward him at the very end. I hope the takeaway is that it's playful and hopeful so that, um, so though there's an algorithm that brought them together, now they're about to take their first steps on the journey together, end quote. Brooker has also addressed that the two simulations in which Frank and Amy don't rebel um, and explained how thoroughly they worked out what was really going on there. He said, quote, uh, now we do see at the end of the app runs it a thousand times and two didn't rebel. So I think they would be matched with a random other person and their world would end. We did have a lot of torturous conversations about what was really going on. We decided it's a cloud-based system that's simulating a thousand different run-throughs of yourself and a potential partner to see how many times you rebel against it and it deliberately is setting a tight framework and if they do rebel that means they're destined to be together so if they don't rebel the system has served its purpose and your reality ends end quote so it does play off similar um um uses of technology like the cookies in um white christmas or even uss callister that there are these like little sims of people playing out different scenarios and um yeah i think it's it's like neck and neck with uh with san junipero on like the relationship and happy ending angle oh really yeah i really like this one okay uh two more episodes 
Metalhead is the next one. And robotic yes. guard dogs have turned against humans, leaving the few human survivors to be, to fend for themselves. While trying to retrieve supplies from a warehouse, Bella's companions are killed by the robots, but she manages to flee and evade the tracking devices. After eluding a soul robot for an exhaust, uh, by exhausting all of its power, Bella makes her way to a secured home, finding a shotgun and other weapons. However, the robot, after recharging, finds her trail. Bella manages to blind the robot and then destroys it with a shotgun, but not before the robot fires off more tracking devices, several of which embed themselves in her skin. Bella considers pulling them out, but recognizes it's futile. As more robots swarm towards the house, uh, she radios to her base to let them know what happened. It is revealed that Bella's team was trying to recover teddy bears for the survivors. And the main girl in this who plays Bella is Maxine Peak, who is in the UK version of Shameless. Oh, I didn't know that. And UK is like the original Shameless, right? It is. Yeah. 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 It's on my list of stuff to it's watch, a, yeah, but I haven't gotten to list. it yet. So the message of Metalhead is pretty clear. If robots advance far enough, humans will no longer be the top dog, quote unquote, on the food chain. And the big Citizen Kane twist at the end adds to um, that while efficient and durable, machines will always lack the empathetic foundation that can inspire human beings to be um, the most noble of sacrifices and um, like risking your life for the comfort of a child. Right. Yeah. This was a pretty Black Mirror type episode of Black yeah, Mirror. Yeah, it was very it <laughs> I did very like it spooky. all black and white. I, it was an I interesting choice. Yeah, it was it was a very creepy choice. Like I liked it from a cinematic perspective. I did not love it from a scared shitless on the couch perspective. Yeah. I think it, <laughs> it was it was also one of those that it was like a slow burn, like the being followed type trope yeah and you're expecting it to be a person and then you're thinking it's a person at the end of the dog and it's just a yeah and you don't know what's controlling dog it it really doesn't they don't really explain too much about this episode um but the way that the dog robot thing is created it's very similar to that that robot thing um like there's there's like videos and like gifs of it online is it was it created by like some college lab? Who did that robot thing? I I'm trying to remember because I remember the way it moves I is very think, similar. Yes, and it looks very similar. I yeah. I don't think it's a college lab. I don't remember who did say, it or for what purpose I it say, is. Oh shoot! I want to say it had to do with the military. Oh really? think so i could be wrong we'll but, definitely post stuff and i don't know that it was the definitely website. our military yeah yeah but the way that thing moves is creepy as shit it's a no thanks from me and no, I, love I don't dogs like it at in all, all forms every form i don't love this dog <laughs> yeah fuck that noise every day um i think metalhead is like not a very well received episode i don't know a lot no. of people that really really like it I didn't think it was that bad. No, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate any episode of Black Mirror, really. I just disliked or got uncomfortable by a bunch of episodes. Or was bored with. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, So the last episode of Series 4 is called Black Museum. 
and uh, a girl, Nish, stops to recharge her car in a desolate mountainous area with only a gas station and a museum. With nothing to do but wait as she charges her car, she enters the nearby Black Museum, owned and run by a man named Rollo Haynes. Rollo shows her various artifacts, all related to illicit technology that has... Um, that he has been involved with. He describes several stories connected to them. One involves a Dr. Peter Dawson, a doctor that has developed a device that allows him to experience the pain of his patients to add, to aid in his diagnosis, but soon found the pain giving way to addictive pleasure and eventually killed a man to experience the sensation. Another case involves Carrie, a comatose woman whose consciousness was transferred into her husband, Jack. But when Jack starts seeing another woman, he forcibly transfers Carrie into a plush monkey for their son, Parker, who soon discarded the toy as he grew up. Carrie still being alive within the toy at the museum. Rolo shows Nish the star attraction of the museum, a holographic representation of the consciousness of a convicted murderer, Clayton Clayton Lee, that Rolo brought... uh, that Rolo bought... Oh my god, I'm massacring this. You can do it. You got this. <laughs> this is the last one. Rolo bought Come just on. prior to his electrocution, allowing visitors to electrocute him repeatedly. Nish reveals that her visit was not incidental as she is the daughter of Clayton. After poisoning Rolo, Nish transfers uh, his consciousness into Clayton's head, much like Carrie was transferred into Jack's head, forcing him to live through the last electrocution, which overloads Clayton's synapses and wipes the digital copies of them both. Rolo's agony is captured on a souvenir keychain, which Nish takes along with the doll with Carrie's consciousness and shorts out the museum's electricity, starting a fire. Nish drives off with her mother... Um, her consciousness living within Nish tells her that Clayton would be proud of her. So this is like an anthology within an anthology. Yeah, it's oh, and I really, I it was really a good like way this to episode. End. Yeah, it was a good way to yeah. end the season and slash series, whatever you yeah. want to call it. So special guest in this episode who plays Nish is you say her name. What? Excuse me. I can't pronounce it, and I know I'm going to destroy it. Give me is a it, minute. You're lucky I know who you're talking about. Is it uh, Don't Latia? even try. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. No, you're wrong. Give me a minute. She's in Black Panther name. and... Letitia Wright. Uh, Letitia. Letitia Wright. Go. She's in Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War. And she's in the Bare Minerals commercials. She's the new face of Bare Minerals, which I really love. Oh, nice. Not the brand. Like I'm, I'm impartial to the brand. Like I don't care about the brand, but I think that's really cool that they made her their face because she's got gorgeous skin. Yeah, right. Um, and the guy who plays Rolo Haynes is Douglas Hodge. And you didn't some need people help pronouncing that one. What? You didn't need help pronouncing that one. No, you know why? Because uh. I've met Douglas Hodge. You have fucking yes. not. What? Yes. Because he was. Um, he won the best leading actor in a musical um, for um, the revival of La Caja Fall, which I saw. And he was in when I saw it. And him not- singing I Am What I Am was amazing. And then he sang it at the Tonys and then I died. But that's not meeting him. I saw him at stage door. Oh, okay. Then that's yeah. meeting him. <laughs> Come well, on, you man. You didn't say that. You were just like, I saw him in the musical. The day, I, I, met him. The day I saw Lakaj, uh, it 
was the day that the Tonys were announced, uh, like oh, the nominations. Cool. It was yeah, it was the day the nominations were announced, and it was up for eleven, which oh, is wow. a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a lot. I, th- I think the record is uh, Hamilton is tied with another show. I forget what show it is for mm. either twelve or thirteen. Yeah, I think it's 13, so 11's big. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, no. I think it was up for 11 and it won either 4 or 6. Band's Visit. Hamilton might be tied with Band's Visit. Really? It might be. I didn't Band's think Band's so. Visit was up there too. And they hmm. they swept the Tonys this past year. Yeah. Um so besides theater talk, you can go to our uh episode seven i think it is where we talk about chicago oh yes. yeah so if you want to talk if you want to hear us talk about about broadway go listen to that listen to us um, nerd out yeah so um most of the information i have about this episode is basically about the first story that rollo tells which is um dr dawson and it was actually based on a short story called the pain addict written by magician pen gillette early in his career really yes huh. uh, gillette had written the story based on a personal experience of being ill in a spanish welfare hospital in 1981 where it was difficult Checks to out. get a yeah it was difficult to get a <laughs> diagnosis due to the language barrier gillette came up with the pain addict from his experience where there would be a technology that would allow a doctor to understand the pain uh, that a person was suffering but as described by gillette quote this guy gets addicted to it and starts beating people to feel their pain. He goes through the he goes through S&M and all he wants to do is jack into Jesus on the cross. He wants to feel that pain. End quote. Gillette has planned to use this. He had planned to use the story in one of his first books along with his uh, show partner Teller, but the publisher rejected it for being too dark. Gillette had been trying uh, to shop it around to a venue. Um, for years and brought up the idea when he had an opportunity to talk with Charlie Brooker. Around two years later, Brooker contacted Gillette to explain that Black Museum would be an anthology episode and wanted to use the pain addict as part of it. Gillette allowed him to use the story, but Brooker did necessary modifications for the show to make it more Black Mirror-esque. Mirror-y, yeah. Uh, Gillette then worked with Brooker to help suggest the idea of framing the story which would involve a washed up las vegas carney running the black museum outside of vegas gillette wanted to audition for the role of the carney which would have been amazing that would have been funny right it would have been been so good but the production was too far along to change the casting yeah so they they couldn't change the casting at that point um the episode took a month to film and locations included Nevada and Spain. Which is crazy. I'm just... Because those are two very different places. <laughs> well, there's like, there's three stories happening in one episode, plus the Black Museum itself. Yeah, that's true. So, oh, and you know what Black Museum is based on. What is it? That's based on an Orson Welles short story. Or is it really? program or something. It was either like something he did for the radio a la War of the Worlds or it was a short story that he did or something. But obviously not completely like that, but he had a similar concept and a similar story Interesting. called The Black Museum. Yeah. And I didn't even get into the Easter eggs in this episode. There are um, a few. Yeah, because obviously there's like pieces of all Black Mirror episodes 
That's um, why I keep saying it's a good way to end it. Yeah, it was a really good way to end um, this series. And as we're uh, nearing the end here, we're just going to break down our top five favorite and bottom five least favorite episodes. Before we do that, I just got a text from Michael 35 minutes later when he's in the next room, but it's fine. Um, it's all right. What said, does he have to say? This is about I, No Man's Sky, right? Yes. I was going to say, as a reminder, I said, was No Man's Sky a letdown? He goes, originally, yes. And in the next message, I never played it. So it clearly oh. must have been quite a letdown if he never played it. Oh. I would Everything have to ask Elliot about it. I'm circle. sure he would, Elliot would just drone on and on about it. So. Hey, as long as he tells us how to pronounce things in French, he can do whatever he wants. That's fine. And as long as he, uh. Mixes Edits. our episodes for us. Yes. Thanks, honey. Love you. Love you. I mean it. Um, okay. So let's go into our... Let's go into our least favorite episodes. Okay. So my number five is... Hmm. I wrote them all down. I was going to say, I wrote them down. Like, if you're doing this off the top of your head, God bless. No, no. I, I wrote them down, but now I'm, like, looking at them, and I'm like, hmm. Oh, uh, no. So I'm my- still looking, and I agree. Okay. My number five is uh, probably the entire history of you. Just shut up. Why? That's my number number five. five. That's my number five. Yes, it is. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just that it was disturbing. It was underwhelming. Yeah, it was underwhelming and it was also like disturbing. I feel like they could have done more with it and made it more fucked up. Yes. And he was just a little too, I don't know, a little too crazy a little too like yeah he was unrelatable yeah 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 he w- um, he was like a ross who what's your number four hang the dj <gasps> was it really yeah, yeah. you didn't like yeah. it i didn't like hang the dj it really was just like it was not for you I, I if i if i wanted to be cruel i would say it was vomititious but i won't <gasps> be cruel Wow, that's I surprising. Just, I'm, I'm not a big like rom com. Okay. Like, all right, all right. Fan. Um, my number four was the Waldo moment. Not a huge fan of that episode. Not that I like. I, I didn't hate any of them. Actually, I would say my top two. I really hated. <laughs> but this is my number four. I didn't hate so it. You it didn't was just hate like the Waldo moment. I didn't hate the Waldo moment. It was just kind of like not my cup of tea, not as exciting as I wanted it to be, but whatever. Right. Um, my right. number three is Crocodile. Just because. What? Fuck you. Really? Crocodile was great. <gasps> yeah, I, I, just, I wasn't like super into Crocodile. Um, what's your number I'm two? Oh, no, what's Haley. your number three? My num- Well, yeah, my number three is White Bear. Really? I did I not White like Bear. White Bear. It, it, maybe it was even because that was one of the was ones like that he- I studied in that film class. Oh, okay. And my professor warned me and everybody else. He's like, if you get scared, don't watch this. Like, it's not a good one if you're scared of things. And I just, I remember the episode ended and I was just like, that's it? Yeah. Like, that's it? Like, like you weren't scared okay. by it. You just it weren't entertained super- by it. Yeah, and it wasn't super techie. And the implications behind it is terrifying yes, that she goes the through the same thing every single day. 
the implications were, but I, I tend to prefer when they get really like deep into the technology of things. Yeah. Yeah. Like I how see they that. did with Crocodile, where they went back into the memories of a fucking guinea pig, Haley. Come on. Yeah. How is that your fourth? I don't know. I just, I didn't love it. Um, number two least favorite is Shut Up and Dance. You shut up. I, I liked like the, the thriller type part of it. But, like, the child pornography reveal at the end was fucked up. That was the best part. Oh, I didn't like it. That was the best part. It was so fucked up. I really didn't like it. It was such a twist. The actors in it were incredible. It was a huge, huge twist. You never would have guessed. It went all the way back, full circle, to the beginning of the episode. Yeah, when he, like, gives that kid that toy. Like, shut up. Shut up. I didn't like it. What was your number two? I want a divorce. Uh, My number two was the Waldo moment. Okay. I, I did not like it. I just yeah. I was like too much, too fast. Like it needed to either be I would say most political things I'm not into fleshed out and made longer. It wasn't even the political thing. It was like they tried to put too much into one episode too quickly. That's true. Yeah, yeah. They they had like the romantic line and then they had yeah. like his personal line and then Yeah, and they yeah. fast forwarded through the whole thing and it just I would have liked to see it either fleshed out or abridged in some way. Yeah. All right. And my yes. number one least favorite was the national anthem. Really? Yeah. It the was really OG. disturbing. It I was didn't really like, disturbing. I didn't like it, like, being introduced to the series like that. Oh, I did. And I liked, like, how we discussed the concept that they had where the whole nation was watching and they wanted the whole nation watching Black yeah. Mirror. And yeah. they tuned in. Yeah, they I, were I usually liked, I liked like, that concept. When we talk about, like, the analysis, like, it does make me like the episodes a little bit more. But still, like, on initial watch, like, I literally, like, I had to watch, like, four episodes of Parks and Rec to, like, get myself back to neutral. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I got, I did not like the National Anthem. What is your least favorite? My least favorite was Men Against Fire. Really? Mostly because it kind of bored me throughout like i'm not into the whole the gritty war dramas yeah yeah and so while it was a really fucked up thing that the government was doing with these soldiers and with these cockroach people yeah it just i just i didn't love it i didn't love it anything that gets like super topical and like relates back is a little more interesting to me so i think maybe that's why like it's not in my like my most favorite spoiler no, alert it's I not agree. my top five but like yeah. it's, i still found it like pretty interesting like see like i found it i i just i was bored and that was even with like i think madeline brewer madeline brewer is a very good actress and i i just i don't know i just wasn't completely enthralled by that one i think that was the one episode where not quite but i was almost at the point of like being like is this over yet can we really? move on to the next one yeah Huh. Like, so I was would your watch number... it again if I had to. Yeah. What was your number five uh, most favorite? Nosedive. Ooh, I did I like Nosedive. I fucking loved Nosedive. Like, the rating system and how it relates to the Chinese rating system. And just, yeah. I love Bryce Dallas Howard. I have loved her since she was on the red carpet and said that she got that dress at Nordstrom's because yeah. designers would not dress a size six. Like, I have loved her. I will love her till the day I die. 
but it was yeah she's beside that beside her character like like bryce dallas howard's like personal character the way she portrayed this character as being just slightly unhinged and a little too invested like always on the edge of like freaking out always on the edge it yeah. was so subtle and so great and I loved it so much because that's how people are starting to become with social media and with their yep. social presence and everything. And I just oh I love Very it. Very topical. I love it so much. Yes. So that is my number five. My number five is White Christmas with John Hamm. I did like uh, White Christmas. It's not I on really, my list, but I did like it. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like my super, super fave, but I really like the concept behind it and the yes. reveal when he finds out like it's not his daughter. Uh, that's right. fucking crazy, and like that, that was that was rough. There's a couple different reveals in the episode. Like you find out, like you find out it's not his daughter. You find out that they're in a cookie. You find out um, right. John Ham's like history and find out that he's in jail. Like there's so it many reveals. It kept me so interested. Piece to it too, yeah, yeah. That was another one where it was almost like a full length movie. Yes, yeah, it could have been. Yeah, um, my number four is USS Callister. Yes, I did like it. Again, not on my list at all, but I did like that one. I loved USS Callister. Again, their uses of color, especially. I know. It's just a beautiful just, episode. Uh, it was it was a beautiful episode. Just so satisfying to look to at. And acted to the nines. Like, everybody yes. in every role, I adored. It, like, Jesse Plemons sickened me to the core. He's so good at playing, like, a fucking Shitty crazy people. person. I know. Yeah, I know. when he was on uh, Breaking Bad, like, he is such, like, a breakout of that se- of that season. Like, I gotta see it. I gotta watch. Oh, God, it's so good. Mini spoiler alert for um, Breaking me Bad, if you else. haven't watched it. But, I mean... So, me. <laughs> it also ended many, many years ago, but it was so I good. Know, His I character know. is so fucked up. I love it. That's not amazing. What's your number four? You've said that. Well, I Um, I didn't want to say like exactly what happened just because if you're going to watch it, I don't want to ruin it for you. So my number four is Crocodile. Really? (laughs) That that fucking kitty pig, man. It gets me every time. It was that twist that really like sold it for you? It was that one twist and how like just how ruthless the main character, how ruthless she was and everything that she kills a fucking baby and they still get her with a fucking guinea pig. And she's just in the back of her kid's recital thinking she's all set. And hey, I also really appreciate no. that she wasn't just some other white person. Yes. Yes. I agree. Like, I thought she was she was great for the role. I really liked her in that role. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think she made like a like casting made a very good choice with her. Yeah. Uh, what all was right. your number three? I was going to ask you what your number three was. My number three was Black Museum. Okay. Yeah. I love Black one. Museum. Even though each story is like really fucked up. Yeah, it wasn't a fave because of the fucked up itness, but I did like it. And just the like it was fun to like pick out the allusions to like different Black Mirror episodes. Right. Um as soon as I saw Douglas Hodge, my like heart just ugh. My heart fluttered. I was like, like, Oh my god, that's insane and, that he's in this. The one the one mini story about the doctor who really gets off on pain pen Gil- um yeah the pain short addict. story that one was just it was so it was so disturbing captivating to watch though it right? was like watching a what an interesting video. story and i like, love that it was told in a short story and it didn't it didn't drag on yeah no it like, was that just, was one that I needed to be short that. i loved that was the one 
that could have had its own episode i felt and that was how i kind of that's no, why i, I kind really of loved it of just lists. on its I own loved it i loved it but i felt like also the stories could have been fleshed out a little more and everything because i was left craving more and yeah but i, I thought left- it did it did like a good um it did a good job of setting up the final reveal yes, yes like it did each of those stories of yeah each of those stories kind of like perfectly set up like what happens at the very end right yeah and i love that it was like kind of like a happy ending that like she got what she came she for she gets her like, revenge yeah and yeah. she avenges her father yeah and like her mother is in her head and i love that she takes the bear with carrie in it gotta help a home girl out you right know? it's so good what was your number three my number three was shut up and dance was it really i loved that twist and how it all came full circle and you're sitting there also and you are on the side of this poor kid that's getting just dicked around by whoever is on the other side of that screen and you're just like oh like every single person that's involved that he's like meeting up with they're just shitty Uh people and you're judging them so hard and you're like i just want this poor kid to get some help like to be helped because he didn't I did really like, do anything wrong and then it's revealed I, at the end yeah i did just, like that so i liked the fact that the entire episode like ellie and i watched the whole series um together like we right we like wanted to have our reactions be genuine together so the right. entire time we were sitting there and we were like he was just masturbating like yeah exactly. that sucks and it's like like terrible and like you don't want everyone in your context to see that but like but you also can empathize in the sense of when you're a teenager if it was just that at face value that he was caught like jacking off that as a teenager yeah that's humiliating yeah yeah but that's not worth worth robbing a bank for but when you're a teenager you've got that teenage brain you're not thinking i guess as an adult okay that's not worth robbing a bank for as a yeah. teenager, you're like, I mean, how many American Pie movies are there? Like, a lot of those antics that those people get into were not worth it. Yeah, but they true. did it because they had that teenage brain. Yeah. Uh, so my number two is San Junipero. Fuck you. I you love San Junipero. I know, I know, because I know what number it is for you. You are but- wrong. My num- It was number one through five, honestly. <laughs> like i had I, to pick others i know like i, I can't say enough good things about san junipero it was i loved it because it was the first Apparently one that had like can because it's only your number two. Oh, when you find out my number one you're gonna be so mad at me <laughs> i don't want to know i don't want to um, i bet i know too i bet i know what it is i think i yeah. do know i think i know okay, don't say ahead. it yet don't say yeah. it yet so san junipero like it was the first one that ended happy and like literally i was on the edge of my seat like as they were driving down the road at the very end and they were playing like that song and i was just like oh my god like i turned to ellie and i'm like oh my god it ended happy like i don't want to jinx it because i don't want like their car to explode all of a sudden or like oh, you find out that it was all a dream so or like and it's so beautiful yeah and like I just love it so much and they find love and Yorkie despite the fact that she's named after a fucking dog gets like her retribution and even though her parents don't love her she finds someone who does yeah it's a very it's it's very notebook-esque yeah 
Yeah, it was so good. So we already know that that's your number one. So what's your number two? My number two is Be Right Back. Oh, that is a really good one. That one fucked me up to the point where I was texting Michael whilst sobbing, going, I love you. Yeah, I I, I think I I started scoring all of them as I was uh, going through the analysis of each of them. So let me just see what number Be Right Back was for me, because I know I really liked it. I think it was like my number six, like it just missed being in the top five. Yeah, because I I really liked that episode, but it was one of those that like it kind of fucked me up. It it fucked me up, but see that's where I it gets a higher score yeah, the more it, it fucks was me it up. was my number 6. That's that's why Man Under Fire got such a low score for me because I was like, hey, I'm just I'm on It's like that one if you've ever seen um 10 things I hate about you when mm-hmm. those two dumb popular girls are talking and she's like, I know you can be underwhelmed and you can be overwhelmed, but have you ever been just whelmed? <laughs> and then the other girl yes. says, "Oh yeah, I think they do that in Europe or something like that." But that's the whole thing. That was the thing with Man Under Fire. It whelmed me. That's all it, it did. It whelmed you. It just whelmed you. <laughs> it just whelmed me. <laughs> all right. As we're over time here, I'm going to just we, say my number no one. There is no such thing. San Junipero. What? You made it your one and two, didn't you? No. That's what you should have done. That's what I should have done. D- can you guess my number one? It's going to be Man Under Fire, isn't it? No. One more or guess. Against Fire. I keep saying it's the wrong thing. Um... All right, if it's not Man Against Fire, what's the one with what's the one with the um the bees? No. <laughs> You're bees? so mad at me. It's okay. Hang the DJ. Fuck off, Haley. I hate I, you so much. I love Hang the DJ. So Honestly, much. it had nothing of value for its plot. No, it had I really like it. Nothing of value. In a world of like You're entitled all, to your like, wrong opinion. In a world of like all like internet dating and stuff, like having these two people matched. You've been in a relationship for like a decade. What do you know about the world of internet dating? Uh, Through all of my friends that have to go through it. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So like seeing this uh, and like the fact that like you get paired with somebody and then like they give you like this little house and you have to like play house for this predetermined amount of time. I don't know. I just loved it. And I thought those two people had amazing chemistry i loved it uh honestly yeah. i would probably tie hang the dj and san junipero and then do like it would be hang the dj I'll san accept. junipero number one black museum number two Fine. uss callister three white christmas four and then be right back five like that's probably what I my top five would be that. well yeah. if we're changing them then i'm gonna change mine too and san junipero is still gonna be my number one and number two is gonna be san junipero and then san junipero san junipero and san junipero I know. I know you like San Junipero. It's the only one that, like, really, like, oh, like, when they won, I think it was the Emmy or the Golden Globe or whatever it was, I just, I cried. I was like, it's so well deserved. Everybody watch this episode. It was so good. That was Uh, another one that cinematically, it was beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. Just the way that they were able to seamlessly go from one era to the next era and then to the present the music in and oh uh, the oh my god like when yeah. belinda carlisle gets in with her shit and you're just sobbing and going yes heaven really is a place on earth it's just yeah uh, uh. and on that note as we're over time um there's no such we thing are, when we're talking about shans Junipero. we're gonna talk to you guys next week see you next uh, tuesday 
In the meantime, go to the website, crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com, and see all of our links, links and, and research and everything up there. Maybe and if you're lucky, you'll get to see my closet shrine to San Junipero. Yeah. A la Hey Arnold. And then we have uh, all of our social media is linked on the website, so you can go there. Yes. It's Crime Culture Pod on Twitter and Crime Culture yeah. Podcast on Instagram, I think. Yep. And just Crime Culture, plain old Crime Culture on Facebook. Yep. The book face. And, um,. Yeah, that's it for this episode. Yeah. And, and we really had to just tell Haley how she's wrong about her number one. You could just tell us uh, your top fives and And how Haley's wrong. I don't know. I love hanging the DJ. Don't judge me. Um You're lucky you're cute. Eee! <laughs> so remember, um we're nearing <laughs> October, El Spooky Month. So Halloween, the month of Halloween. <laughs> we're entering Halloween month. So get ready for two episodes per week on Tuesdays regular and Thursdays added. So I guarantee we got some... you guys, however not ready you are, we are even less ready. <laughs> <laughs> we got some spooktastic stuff and Yay. we got uh, so many Halloween related things. Uh, so we go on locations. Yes, we go on location. We're That's not even all we're on location say. now, but we did it for you. Yes, I did it we for you. recorded something. We pre-recorded something on location, and wait until you hear it. It's lovely, and I'm Babu. so excited for it. Love. And um, so great, so great. Yeah, just so many things coming down the pike that we're super excited about. So thanks for listening. Go to the website. Go to the social media. Rate, review, subscribe. All good things. And yeah, we will and put see some you. words in your reviews. We want to hear what you think. Exactly. Let's hear from everybody. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And uh, communication is key in a healthy relationship. We'll see you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.